0: You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Merry Christmas. I've been waiting all year to say that. Um, It's always exciting to uh, get back into the Christmas season, especially because uh, it's a time where we as Christians get to celebrate and reflect on one of the most amazing miracles of all time. Our Savior was born. Just how incredible is that, right? How, how awe-invoking is that that the Son of God was born in the flesh to dwell with man and eventually die with man. Die for man, sorry. This yeah, hallelujah. Whoever said that, I agree. This is I, I need more amens and hallelujahs sometimes. Come on. I'm just kidding. You guys just sit there and stare at me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> This, this is the message of Christmas, right? That, that, that Jesus came into creation in order to, as, as the song says, to save us all when, when we had gone astray. It's such a simple but yet profound message. So the question for us over the next month is going to be this How do we receive and respond to this good news? How do we receive and respond to this good news? Um, well, first of all, when we take a look at the life of Jesus and the Advent story itself, it seems like we, as, as humans, generally don't respond to it very well. In fact, the innkeeper's words to Mary and Joseph as they stood at the door of the inn, words that we all know so well, there's no room, those words establish a theme that would, that would carry on through Jesus' ministry and still continues today. Right? There's no room. When we think about it, there was no room for Jesus in the inn, so he was born in a stable. Right There was no room for Jesus in his country, so they had to flee the country. There was no room for Jesus in his hometown, so he couldn't perform miracles. There was no room for Jesus in the synagogues where they, they chased him out to stone him. There was no room for Jesus in the doctrine of the Pharisees, who scorned and questioned him at every opportunity. There was no room for Jesus in the temple, because it was... Full of moneylenders and self-righteous zealots and thieves, and in fact, there was no room for Jesus in his own creation. And even today, our society leaves little room, if any, for the name of Jesus. Less and less, it seems, even in our country. All this is pointing to the real underlining problem, which is that there's no room for Jesus in the hearts of sinful man. John 1. 9 to 11 says it like this. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. This is, that's the message of Christmas, right? That's the miracle of Christmas. He came into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet, the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. In fact, some of them crucified him. He came to save the world he created. He came to save his people whom he loved. Yet there was no room in their their prideful and hardened hearts to receive him. No room to to, to respond with repentance to this free gift of salvation that Jesus came to give them. But again, the reason for this is simple. It's because the message of Jesus Christ, indeed the message of Christmas, demands that we don't just make a little room for him in our lives. But that we give him all the room. This offends our pride, our sense of autonomy, our selfish plans, our belief systems, and our self righteousness to give him all the room. So while the message of Christmas is a message of good news, right? That, that proclaims the Savior has come. It's only going to be good news to those who are willing to acknowledge that they need a Savior. But for those who do, it's good news indeed. John, John 1 continues in verses 12 to 14 when it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And to that end, while many rejected and hardened their hearts against the news of Jesus' birth and what it meant, there were, however, a handful of individuals around the time that Jesus was was born who did prepare him room in their hearts to humbly receive the message of Christ's birth and who did respond to it, With faith. And so, over the next month, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking closely at their stories to learn what it truly means to receive and respond to this good news. What it truly takes and what it looks like to prepare Him room. And today, we're going to start by looking or taking a look at the story of Jesus' mother, Mary. So, if you want to turn with me to Luke 1, we're going to be starting at verse 26. And we're going to be reading her story. So Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth and returned to her home. Let's pray really quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we could be here gathered together in your presence this morning. Lord, as we dig into your word, as we look into the life of Mary and and for, and, and discover what you've done for her and how you called her and how she responded to that call, Lord God, I pray that you would um, just open our hearts to receive that as well and to learn from her and um, learn what it means to to give you room in our lives lord i pray this in jesus name amen all right so one of the fun things about christmas or or maybe one of the worst things depending on your perspective is that it's often a time when family comes to visit right and sometimes they'll even stay at our homes and and when they do we usually welcome them in we give them a bed to sleep on we give we give them food Right, we make them comfortable, and we tell them, "Make yourselves at home." Right, but when when we say that, we don't actually mean it fully, do we? Right, like yes, they can sit on our couch and they can watch TV and even grab a drink from the fridge without asking when they want. That's what we mean by "make yourselves at home." You know, we give them just enough space and comfort that 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 ensures um, that we also have a manageable and non-disruptive kind of interruption in our lives. But imagine if your in-laws came over and, and you're like, and you say to them, you know, make yourself at home. And all of a sudden they're rearranging the furniture and adjusting the ornaments on the tree and, and painting the walls their favorite color and, and, and putting their undergarments in one of your drawers and selling your stuff on Kijiji and replacing it with their own and hanging out in your private office and cooking with your food and sleeping in your bed and making repairs on things that aren't even broken. Right? Right? you probably wouldn't be too happy about that, would you? Because, because those are the kind of, kinds of disruptions that we, we can't handle. When someone starts taking over, starts uh, influencing every aspect of our lives, and we're like, no, 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 get out of my space, stop touching my stuff, right? And if I may be so bold, I think this is how we often treat Jesus. Right? We, we tell him to make himself at home, but we don't mean it in the fullest sense. Amen. Thank you. Right? We, we give him a little bit of room in our hearts and, and in our lives, but we don't give him all the room. Because we don't want our lives to be disrupted. We like our autonomy. We like our, our, our choices. We like our plans. But yet, when we take a look at the life of Mary, we can clearly see that the opposite of this is what it means to prepare Jesus' room. We can see that when Jesus enters our lives, he says, I'm not here to just make myself at home. I'm here to make your whole heart my home. It's an all-or-nothing relationship. It's a call for total surrender. Matthew 16, 24 then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To prepare him room is to give him all the room. Another way of putting that is like this, Luke ten twenty-seven, which says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. All your heart, all your soul, all your strengths, all your mind. That's, that's all the room, right? What I find astounding here is that as we read those four ways we're called to love God, and then we compare them with, with Mary's faith, with, with her story here, we see this type of surrender exemplified profoundly. In her story, And I want to draw that out this morning, right? Because she shows us that to prepare him room is to give the Lord all the room. Let's, let's just think of her life before this happened, right? Here's this young lady. She's probably around 14 or 16 years old. She's living a simple life in a small and poor Galilean town. She's betrothed or what we call engaged. And she has her whole life of ahead of her still. She probably has plans and ideas and and hopes of what her life and her marriage will be like, right? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the angel Gabriel arrives. And and not for some moment of, of cheap signs and wonders, but to proclaim a message from God to Mary that everything in her life is about to change. Everything in her life is about to change. And any parent knows that as soon as a baby arrives... Your life is completely different, right? Am I right? Where's the amens? <laughs> because when a baby arrives, you don't live for yourself anymore, right? But rather, you live for this little baby. Martha and Spoo are probably figuring that out as we speak, Right? But for Mary, not, not, not only is she being informed that she's going to have a baby, but that she'll be carrying and giving birth to the Messiah, the Son of God. That's crazy. And yet her faith and obedience at this divine interruption is, is exemplary here. She, she agrees in faith to carry the Son of God within her womb. This, this is quite the sacrifice. We have to realize this is quite the sacrifice. And literally and physically giving Jesus room. Within her. And I think it teaches us then, first of all, that, that, that to give Jesus room, that to prepare him room, is to recognize that, that our bodies are a temple of the Lord. And while we'll never have to carry the Son of God physically within us like Mary, we do in a way carry Christ within us as believers. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Mary passed that test. And like Mary, we need to learn that, that to prepare Jesus' room is to physically prepare him room. It's to prepare our bodies as living sacrifices, as temples to, for Jesus. And we're no longer our own. In other words, we're to love God with all our strength. Mary exemplifies that. But we have to recognize, secondly, that that Mary's faith here doesn't come immediately. It doesn't just come like that, right? In fact, it doesn't even come blindly. At the sight of the angel Gabriel, Mary's initial reaction to the announcement that she was chosen and favored by God was to be troubled, She's troubled at this. She doesn't blindly just receive whatever the angel says in you know in blind faith or whatever with or without question. No, she's troubled. Timothy Keller writes, I have often heard people say, I am skeptical and ask a lot of questions. Religious people do not. They just believe. But no one, however, can accuse Mary here of anything like blind faith. She does not say, How wonderful! An angel is speaking to me. No, the text tells us Mary was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, And it makes sense that she would be troubled. An angel shining with the glory of God has appeared to her. That's a typical reaction for those recorded in the, in the Bible to having seen angels. But, but then it says that she wondered, or rather, that she tried to discern what was going on. She tried to discern what was going on. In other words, she was using... The old noggin, right? She was using her brain. I mean, she was probably wondering if she was seeing things, or if she was in trouble, or if this was a trick, and, and trying to figure out what it means that she has been that she's been favored by God. She wanted to be sure that she knew what was going on here. I think many of us have this idea that our Christian faith requires us to to throw our discernment and our intellect out the window, but Mary's showing us here that that just isn't the case. Discernment is a natural and necessary process to ensure we're listening to God. Not only that we're listening to God, but but to make sure it's God who's actually speaking. And our thought process doesn't stop there either, because upon Gabriel's announcement that she was to bear a son named Jesus, once again, she uses her brain powers and tries to discern how this can be. But I should note that she's not filled with doubt in the same way that her relative Zechariah was, who doubted Gabriel when, when you know, Gabriel told him, yeah, your wife's going to gonna bear a son. And he's like, <laughs> no, nope, that can't happen. She's too old. And uh, Gabriel's like, that's it. You're being disciplined. You're going to be rendered unable to speak until your son, who would be John the Baptist, was born. So unlike, unlike him, right, Mary's, Mary's making a simple inquiry here in, in an attempt to better understand what was being said. And so she asked Gabriel, how can this be since I am a virgin? That's a good question to ask. We're all wondering, right? We're all thinking it. And Gabriel answers her by saying that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and that the Holy One will overshadow her. And he even explains why it has to be like that so that there's absolutely no question, no doubt that this baby will be one who is holy, not conceived by sinful man, but by the Spirit. So again, she seeks to understand, right? And while the answer is still partly a mystery, none of us completely understand what's going on here, but she does get an answer. So again, the second thing we can learn from Mary here is is that as we surrender to and make room for Christ, we're supposed to use our minds, We may not always get complete answers, or the answers we want to hear, or even get the answers right away. But God's never, ever commanding us as believers to shut off our brains as He calls us to Him. It's quite the opposite. So again, part of what it means to make a room then is to seek to understand Him and His will. Seek His will, grow in our knowledge of Him. In other words, to love the Lord your God with all your mind. and and obviously and obviously this understanding doesn't always, always happen immediately, right this, this is something we grow in over time Paul 's prayer for the Ephesians if, if in the Ephesians is that they would grow in the knowledge of the Lord, so it takes growth, it takes time. In fact, it took a few months later for mary to to fully understand the the reality and weight of what was actually happening, and that took place when she visited her relative. Elizabeth, who confirmed to her through the Holy Spirit that Mary was indeed carrying the Son of God, the Messiah, within her. So God gives us confirmation when we ask. God will help us get to that place of surrender. God will help us understand as we love him with all our mind. But in the same vein, then, the third thing that we can learn from Mary about making room for Jesus is through the way that she trusts God and trusts this good news even in the unknown. Mary's, Mary's faith, even before she fully understands what's happening and how it would play out, Mary's faith was, is powerful as she responds to the angel Gabriel who reminds her, you know, no, nothing is impossible with God, and so this is how she responds. Luke 1.38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, so let it be to me according to your word. Powerful words. Powerful words of faith. And in the same way that that God called Abraham in the Old Testament, by saying, go to a place, I will show you. How vague is that? (laughs) Go to a place, I will show you. Mary is also being called by God to do something that she didn't fully understand. So, So she had to trust God. She had to trust that God could do the impossible, even though she fully didn't get it. In other words, part of what it means to prepare Jesus' room is to trust him in faith. Or rather, to love God with all our heart. Because when our hearts are given fully to someone, we can then trust them and follow them into the unknown. And even when we don't know what the outcome will be or why we're doing it, if our hearts are for someone, we can trust them and we can follow them. And even though we're not required to shut off our brains, you know, there will be moments when we'll say to God, Why? And He'll say, You'll see. Just go to a place I'll show you. There will be times, times as believers when God requires us to follow him into the unknown. And, and this happened to me specifically. I'm speaking from experience here. When when I went to Bible college to get my uh, bachelor's in music, they dropped the program after my first year. And, and so because of that, I was obviously ready to leave and go to a different school. But as I prayed about it, I felt God was telling me to stay at this this Bible college I was at. And that didn't make sense to me at all. I didn't get why God would want me to stay at a school that wasn't offering the program that I wanted anymore. But I obeyed, and I, and I did stay. And I graduated in my fourth year with a wife, which was reason enough for my stay. But I also walked away with a Bachelor of Arts in Religion and Theology that I didn't know what to do with. I had no plans for it. I didn't really want it. But obviously, as I stand here today, I now understand why and, and what God was planning. Though so again, at the time, it, it took that moment of prayer and three more years of surrender for me to say, I don't get it, but all right, God. But really, would God truly have room in our hearts if, if we couldn't trust him like this, if, if we needed all the answers and outcomes before we even took a step. My, my kids sometimes ask uh, questions about where we're going and why we're doing such and such. Right? But most of the time, my kids just follow along. They love me and I love them, so they, they trust me and they, and they follow me. And I know some of us are are prone to remain still or undecided until we have all the, the facts and figures and proofs and possible outcomes calculated out and researched. But we're reminded here that those answers sometimes come only after we've surrendered and obeyed. Because that's what God's looking for. Remember, Mary eventually did get her confirmation. But it came after she placed her trust in God's word. And as we follow Mary's example, it also proves our faith. It shows God that that we love him and trust him, that our hearts are open to him, to following him. So again, we can learn from her example here that to prepare him room to receive the good news of Jesus requires us to place our trust on him even when we don't have the full picture. It's to say, as Mary said, even though I don't get it, even though some of this is still a mystery to me, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And finally, then, the fourth thing we can learn from Mary is that to prepare room for Jesus is to love God with all our soul. To so love God with all our soul. In fact, Mary proclaims that this is the case. After Elizabeth confirms to her that she's carrying the Messiah within her womb, Mary responds. With, with wonder and praise by singing a song of worship to God. And in the song, we see her proclaiming the truth and, and promises of scripture that she now seems to, to grasp and understand as, as words, that, that are, as, as scriptures that are now going to be fulfilled through the baby she's carrying. So she's, she's marveling at that, praising God for that. But she also proclaims in her song with, with great wonder and joy how her soul magnifies the lord and and how her spirit rejoices in god her savior for how he's blessed her and for what the outcome of the coming messiah will be so from mary's example we we see that to prepare jesus room is to make him the sole object of our our affection and worship it's it's to proclaim from the depth of our soul the glory is yours As it says in John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And and Mary is doing that here in her song. To prepare him room is to love him with all our soul. So again, as as we look at the story of Mary, we we find that to prepare room for Jesus means to give him all the room. Again, she loves God with all her heart as she trusts God and follows him by faith. She loves God with all her mind as she discerns the scriptures and and seeks out deeper understanding. She loves God with all her soul as she humbly surrenders to him and joyfully worships him in spirit and truth. And last but not least, she loves God with all her strength as she willingly gives God the literal use of her body, her womb, and of course, the strength and physical burden of, of being a mother for the rest of her life to this baby boy. So again, as we see the this, this story of Mary unfold and how she receives and responds to the good news of Jesus Christ, we can clearly see, again, that to prepare him room is to give him all the room. All of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our very being, our very lives. But that in, the, in the same vein, though, that is no sacrifice. We think we're sacrificing We're not sacrificing. As Mary also exemplifies, to surrender completely to Jesus Christ is good news. It's good news. This free gift of salvation is worth rejoicing about. And yeah, we could try to argue and say, well, it's easy for Mary to rejoice because she was visited by an angel and blessed by God to literally carry his son within her. But as I mentioned earlier, and as as Timothy Keller again writes, he says, every Christian is like Mary. Mary. Everyone who puts their faith in Christ receives by the Holy Spirit Christ in you, the hope of glory. We should be just as shocked that God would give us, with all our smallness and flaws, such a mighty gift. And so no Christian should ever be far from this astonishment that I, I of all people, should be loved and embraced by his grace. So surely as as we consider the miracle that is the birth of Jesus, as we consider the, the weight and wonder of it all, that we get to receive it, that God sent his son to save us from our sin and give us life, surely we can lay down our lives. Surely we can prepare him room. You know, even, even and especially in the, the busyness of all the shopping and family time and work and everything that's going on this Christmas season, We're always so busy, right? Let's make sure that Jesus has room in our hearts and in our lives. You know, as we do these things, as we set aside time, let's make sure he has room in our hearts and lives to work out his goodwill and good works within us. So as we prepare him room, let's give him all the room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the example of Mary here. Lord, I pray that we can learn from it. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would would draw out in our lives those those places, those things that we're that we're holding on to that, that we haven't given over to you, Lord. I pray even now that, 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 that we can just come to you with repentant hearts for, for when we haven't given you all the room. For when we've, we've doubted or refused to believe in faith that, that you are good, that, you're, that your will is perfect for us, Lord. And that we can, we can you know, strip away those things in Jesus' name and, and come before you and give you all of who we are all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray that you would teach us and continually teach us what that means. Lord, we open our hearts to you this morning. And we thank you so much for the miracle of Jesus that he came to dwell with us and die for us so that we could dwell with you for eternity, Lord. We glorify your name.